This is The Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Wave Podcast. We are here to talk to you guys for the second episode of True Detective North Country, which is the fourth season of the HBO original series. This season stars Jodie Foster and Callie Reese. I am one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined once again by Zach Miller. How are we doing? Good, man. Let's talk some True Detective. Episode two. Episode two. So the first episode, we talked a lot. We speculated a lot. We did get some answers, some things, again, in the True Detective fashion, they leave a lot of breadcrumbs for you to try to figure things out. Uh, I want to talk about the big visual that we get, uh, and we see it at the end of episode one. Yeah. This tower of frozen bodies. Bodies. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just such an interesting visual and is so cool for the vein of, of True Detective. Um, what were your thoughts on that and just the whole storyline that they're kind of throwing us into with this this murder case that we're, we're trying to figure out with them? Oh, well, it's it's so dark um, and twisted just the way that they decided to make that the, the focus of a murder. Like there's there's plenty of murder shows where they go through simple. Well, not simple, but um, very common types of murders and, and situations. But this was like very twisted, very otherworldly and like almost I, we were talking about how this season has a lot of supernatural elements to it. Just just the fact that these men were outside in the frozen Alaskan tundra and all, all stripped down naked, all in a pile together, screaming at something. Like all of their mouths are still open. Um, something got them to that point. So I think that's what's the most intimidating thing and scary thing about that. I honestly am surprised at how composed the police are at this point too, because if that was me, I'd be like, this is way beyond a normal murder you know like this is this is something like really messed up um and whether that's a person yet or a um you know something supernatural maybe but they're definitely framing it that way and they're scaring the audience too to be to be at that point but um yeah true detective just has really effective twisted ways that they can convey their themes and stuff and it's just so eerie and unsettling in, yeah. in a good way yeah but, i yeah. agree i th- i think too uh going to the point that you were just talking about in terms of the way the cops are reacting or i guess not reacting to what they say yeah it's such a testament to like the stoicism of jodie foster's character yeah and how she just feels like she's been through it all before mm. um i really love i think she is such a perfect <clears throat> part of casting for a show like this which we talked a little bit about last week yeah um and we get some more character development with her some interesting moments i mean the the Mm. the sex scene that she winds up happening like i wasn't expecting that yeah but it is interesting too because we had talked and i want your take on this because i brought this up towards the end of last week's episode um i feel like this episode might solidify my feeling and we still have four episodes left but my concern of these two characters being too similar in a way where i think that this is not to knock Callie Reese because she's mm. new. She's a very fresh actor. She doesn't have a lot of experience, mm. but she's acting opposite. Like one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest actors living like female actors living today, mm. Jodie Foster and their character traits are like basically the exact same. And I understand that that's why they're building what like the tension with them because they're like, we're pretty much the same person. We just work at different precincts, whatever. To me, it, it worries me because it makes all of Jodie Foster scenes like really, stand out to me and then a lot of mm. things with uh Callie Reese's character Navarro like they don't hit as hard for me do you feel similar to that or 
I think uh I think her scenes uh yeah, I feel like that's actually a, a pretty good way to put it. I, I feel like this episode was definitely more of a magnifying glass that they are similar. I agree with what you're saying. Like last week I was like, okay, maybe they'll be similar. I wasn't sure yet. It's still the first episode, but the more they've delved into that, I can see the same recklessness or standoffishness. Um, just this very like, uh, rebellious personality from both of them. They're both going against their own commanders and their branches. Uh, Navarro is kind of like, I want to work on this case and you have to let me because I can help you. Um, and I just think that, yeah, they have a lot of similar personality traits and then they're doing similar things. They, they don't have very committed relationships now. Like yeah, I mean, that's, the a, that's a nice yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I would just say that. Yeah. Like it's, it's very, uh, no strings attached, yeah, you know, sure. like they're, it's, it's probably just a, a temporary thing that we've seen so far that they're just trying to get a temporary feeling out of it. And, um, Navarro, I feel like is trying to open herself up to something. Uh, I think she's definitely had some bad history where she is so defensive and, and recluse, but I think she's beginning to open up a little bit more, especially to her love, her love interest, yeah, you know, yeah. like, but Jodie Foster has been through the ringer from what I can imagine. And she's kind of shutting down and just trying to get something physical at the moment, yeah, you know? So for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but going back to the, I guess the the main story at hand here. We so I actually have a quote uh, from an interview uh, with Jodie Foster talking to Hollywood Reporter, where she said they call that uh, frozen uh, mountain of men the corpsicle. So they had a yeah. name for it on set, which was really cool and really funny. <clears throat> um, but it is like it's a really kind of terrifying image that you see, and then you get the moment where the one guy like just. I mean, I, did that yeah. freak you out? Like, uh, I kind of like audibly was like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> you got to laugh because so weird. It was but. definitely like off-putting because yes. I, I don't want to say I was anticipating it, but they kept doing close-ups and, and getting closer and closer to one detail on him. Yeah. So I was expecting either something from behind them to scare him or I don't know. But I was not expecting that to happen and that will be the most interesting lead in the next couple episodes yeah so give me because i feel like you're you're good at really breaking down these episodes so give me some of the main things that we learned within the case within this episode okay so there's a lot of breadcrumbs uh i think uh you know there's there's the the recurring events of the spiral and they're trying to figure out the connection with that um, the connection between Annie's murder, uh, the other girl who was protesting the mine in town. Um, Navarro is definitely making some really good connections here, and you get that at the end. Um, they realize that in the mountain of bodies, there is one missing, so there is a lead suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, I feel like that's pretty good, but then there's still some questions. There's like the father and the importance of the files or just the importance of keeping something hidden. Yeah. You know? So I think there's a lot of that up in the air. And then the other questions too are the exposition matter, you know, like there's a lot about this guy, Travis, and then there's a lot about, um, her Jodie Foster's son that was, uh, I'm assuming killed. Yeah, the, so, the, the one where they show the yeah. flashback of her with the child, right? Right, yeah. So I'm wondering the significance of why that keeps recurring so I agree. far. And but. I do I do think the, 
just the relationships between all the townspeople is so interesting to me. Yeah. Like the fact that she literally tells um his name's uh Peter, right? The younger or Pete, the younger uh yeah. police officer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he tells Pete that he uh, like, no, you can't go home and, and bathe your kid because you have to stay here and watch the bodies. Yeah. And then she goes to the exact same house to pick up her daughter, yell at the whole entire family that he's not coming home, and then playing with his kid. And it's such an interesting dynamic, and it really shows you like what is behind all of these people and the real rift that comes not only between just like normal townspeople, but also, uh, which I do think is, is the added layer that I appreciate between Navarro and, um, Danvers is her name. Yeah. Yeah. Liz Danvers. Liz Danvers. Um, the relationship between those two where like you are separating the indigenous from the white and the clear Mm. rift that we have there. Um, I think that's all, all going to come crashing within itself. I'm like hoping for like a skirmish, like a legit yeah. skirmish between the two of them, because I feel like that's what I want to see. I want to see like a real like fight between the two of them. Um, mm. That kind of like so, similar to what we saw in season one with the relationship between McConaughey and Harrison's characters. Um, but the whole subplot that you were just talking about, or I guess it, it could definitely play into the main plot. Uh, Pete and his father, uh, who's played by John Hawks. And I want to get his name right. Uh, Hank. Um mm. We get the reveal in this episode that Hank is aware that he took the files from last week and just straight up walks in the ice rink, bitch slaps him and is like, don't fucking lie to me. And then walks out. Yeah. And like, you're my family. You can't do that. And he's like, you got to understand the family is the only thing you can trust. How did you take that scene? Because to me, I was like, is there something that he wants him to know? Like, I just feel like there's there's something with Hank because he has been so not hands-on with this whole murder and he seems like the only other senior police officer in this local police department so you would think that he'd be more proactive in helping this case and so far it's only been pete and i think he's keeping something from both pete and the other police officers yeah for sure and he could be in on this plot so i'm not sure entirely where his uh role lies yet but i think they're hiding something from us for the plot but yeah there that's that's definitely really interesting because he's having very strong reactions and I, he does seem super abrasive and there's no uh mother at home at the moment mm-hmm. so I'm, i think there's definitely a level of abuse of an abusive relationship <clears throat> but i don't think uh i don't think that's all that it is i think yeah. there's something more there, there definitely yeah. has to be something more um, we get our suspect, like you talked about, Raymond mm. Clark, um, who uh, is one of the uh, biologists, right? Or what? Yeah, yeah, the science, yeah, one of the scientists. scientists. Yeah. Um, and the spiral that we saw that was prevalent, and it was on, it was on one of the victims, right? It wasn't all the victims. It was uh, so that was his spiral on his chest. But I'm yeah, talking about there was a spiral on one of the victims as well in it the was, ice mound, right? Uh, oh yeah, he put it on their head. Yeah. But it was on all of them or just one? Of I think them? it was just one. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we start getting the prevalence of these spirals again, which we talked a little bit about last week. We also see in the first season of True Detective somewhat maybe connecting these. Um, and he had a tattooed on his chest. And uh, Annie, who had died uh, like previously, she also had uh, a spiral um, pictogram yeah. in, in her house. So we talked a little bit off camera, but I feel like to address the viewers – what are you thinking about the significance of the spiral, the connection to season one and so on mm. and so forth? So I think they're doing a little bit of a reimagining of the spiral. I, I mean, it's kind of, it is connected to the main case in season one. I, I think there's 
a deeper dive into the significance of it. And I, I think especially from uh I keep forgetting her name, the older woman, uh the the character. Oh, uh, the character name? Yeah, it's um that's Rose in the show. Rose. Yeah, Fiona okay. Shaw is the actor. Yeah, she makes these very offhanded comments about the spirit worlds and and just that that symbol she's seen before and it's it's and it's older than Ennis and it's older than the ice, you know, like it's been around forever. So I think there's a very dark person that has taken that symbol probably from an ancient time and then used it for malicious reason, reasons. So I think it's got some connection to season one and it was used the same way in season one. It was probably just taken and used for something sadistic. So I think they're really diving into that like ancient spirit world's use of it and mixing it with like witchcraft and then like the voodoo stuff like that was hanging that was so in the trailer. Creepy. Yeah. And that was recurrent from season one too. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of that in those like canisters and things like that. Yeah. So I think that is going to unfold more. Yeah. Dude, so we, we talked a little bit last <laughs> week about how um, for the people who weren't aware that Jodie Foster went to HBO with this series as an individualized thing and they, they lumped it within the anthology series that is True Detective. Do you think these additions or these correlations with the first season was something that I believe it was like maybe shoehorned in. I don't think these were in the original scripts. I, I feel like they might have done that to connect it. So why do you think the significance of that is? I know. And if you want to address the the thing that you reminded me of, because unfortunately I watched the show without subtitles yesterday. Oh, yeah. And I, the, the Cole, the Cole relationship. <clears throat> yeah. As well. I think um, I think it was part partly to get viewers back and 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 uh see that <clears throat> that this was related to season one and that's pretty cool to, to just see a recurring um symbol and and then give the viewers an engaged experience of making connections between the first season and deeper dives like i think we're definitely in an age of easter eggs and and drops of like name brands and name characters you're like oh man they're related to that person yeah, or yeah, this sure. is gonna come up later like that's the age we're getting into. So I think it's partly that. And then also just it it does fit and blend into the setting, though, really well. I think they did a great job with that. So far, it's not overbearing. I don't mm. think it's like disrespecting the first season just yet. Um, I think they're they're very good at balancing the the dynamic between the, the partners again. Like they're, they're very original in, aside from the other seasons so far. And I think uh, I think that's that's good. So it, it hasn't like been overbearing yet. But then, um, yeah, another the biggest reveal, which was, were theories online after the first episode. But this guy, Travis, his significance, it just got the veil pulled off that he is Tra uh, Russ father, supposed father. Mm. And Matthew McConaughey's character from the first. Yeah. First yeah. Season. Yeah. So that's because he's so estranged and we don't know much about him from that first season. This is like more exposition we might get to see why he's in alaska and then maybe did he take something of the spiral from alaska to like louisiana like i don't know like we don't know that connection yet i hope that they tie that together in a respectful way like I, it doesn't have to be some crazy grand plot but i that was definitely something we caught and then i went back with subtitles because i was like did he just say Cole, that's not like an accidental drop yeah, in yeah. this type of show. Um, and they did. It was the same spelling and everything. I was like, whoa, that's got to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely significant. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think we both agree in terms of what we might have disliked about this episode, um, where it felt like there was a lot of exposition that was unneeded, like a lot mm. of things that it was like, oh, it just feels like now they're trying to stuff too much in. And I talked about personally on last week's episode how I was like, you know, they introduced so much in the first episode that I'm like, you know, they only have six episodes to wrap up the story. I'm more entrenched in what the is happening with this this killer or mm. supernatural being, whatever it is, and the actual journey of Jodie Foster and Callie Reese being able to catch this person or thing. Um, but there's a lot of uh, weird exposition that kind of comes in this episode mm. where, I mean, there's the relationship between Navarro and her sister, which uh, you have written in your notes. wasn't necessary. I agree. It was like a very weird. It just felt like, okay, we're stopping the main narrative and here we go. We're starting another plot. Exactly. You know? And I don't feel like they need more of that. Uh, within yeah. it and the Jodie Foster <coughs> excuse me flashback scene with her son was another thing where it was like okay we're getting a little bit of a sense of who she was but if you're gonna give me that you need to show me more mm. than a two second scene because <clears throat> I'm not understand like I, I understand they're trying to lay breadcrumbs but at the same time it's like there was a lot that I'm gonna play uh, the Liz cut card right now I feel like there were a lot of things that you could have cut out of this and reworked mm. So where yeah. you could have made it more essential to the plot. And I felt like there were things that they just added in for no reason. Yeah. I felt like it was just like, especially with the son thing, I feel like they were showing that to reflect that she doesn't have the same relationship with uh, her daughter now that she did with her son, even though he was probably just like before 10 years old. So I, I think that she has like a resentment towards her daughter. I think she's also stuck with her now because the way that the daughter was talking about Jodie Foster was like, oh yeah, my dad was with Liz. Yes. And and it's like, you usually don't talk about that unless you're like a stepmom or something. You I know? don't even know if, and that's, I was going to ask you because my whole family and I, when watching the show, <clears throat> we were kind of still confused on what is the status of that family. Like, was yeah. she married to, I brought this up last week, was she married to an indigenous man? And that's why her children, or did she adopt um, the uh, stepdaughter, or I guess uh, Le uh, Leah? Did, did she adopt Leah? Did she just take in Leah because the father also died, like her son? And is the son also from him? Like, it's very confusing, mm. and they haven't established those relationships yet. And I do feel like that's kind of important to the if you're going to keep doing these scenes. Yes, it's, it's, it's important. And so much yeah. of how you're introducing these family members yeah. for every single character. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. daughter's pretty prevalent. And then you see the relationship like that she has with Pete. So they've known each other for years. Right. I don't know. It's it's interesting the way that the writing is coming together. I feel like there are certain <laughs> moments in the And the first episode, I really liked the premiere. I did. This episode to me felt like there was. A little too much filler but again at the same time we're only episode two and, and we still have four episodes to go um so i don't know the uh i did love the scene uh between mm. um navarro and rose when she's kind of telling the story and i do love those those moments we get in true detective where you're able to have those really good character moments with the conversations between one and another and yeah. they do a really good job of uh having these great like two-handers yeah. um within the show and then you get these big, crazy reveals that are essential to what True Detective is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we we get we get more information. We get the we get the corpsicle, uh, and we get the suspect. Do you have any theories going forward about what we might be seeing for episode three? Maybe the rest of the we're yeah. gonna we're gonna break this down every week until we get to the final episode. Yeah. But like theoretical. Mm. So I feel like they're doing a great job at 
framing uh, this guy Clark as the murderer. And as of right now, it's it's hard. There's not enough evidence to show otherwise. I think like you know he found his hidden trailer. Uh, he was messing around with Annie. She had the spiral. Uh, she and then she turns up dead. And then four days or four weeks after she's murdered, he gets the same spiral tattoo. And and then he's acting off like he, they're getting testimonies from people and they're like, yeah, he was a weird guy. He was acting really off like he wasn't all there socially. Like it just doesn't look good for Clark right now. You know, like he's he's going down if they find him or, or whatever. But I think um, that that uh, what's it called? Oh, the uh, just the testimony from the victim who's still alive and was in the ice. Like mm -hmm. whatever he says could completely rock what they think you know, is up with Clark. Yeah. So do you think we get uh, that reveal next episode? He is in a coma yeah. currently. I think or they said he was, he was going mm -hmm. through surgery and he was in a coma. So I think Clark wake or not Clark. I think the victim wakes up and he starts giving them fuzzy details, <laughs> which leads them to the next steps. And then Clark is, you know, maybe they find his body somewhere. I don't know if they find his body, then it's like, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What exactly. Happened? Then, they take you in a completely different direction. Mm -hmm. um, are you liking the supernatural element that they've added to this season? Or because I know we talked a little bit about it last week and we we're like, mm -hmm. we kind of hope they don't go in this direction. But I do feel like they're laying the groundwork a little bit better if they are going to go in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. But overall, what are your thoughts on on that? <clears throat> I think it's uh, I think it's OK if they do like supernatural stuff to a point. You know, I, I feel like um, the way that Rose was talking about the dead she was like some are good and they're trying to reach out and put you in the right direction some of them are just trying to be there for you and then the bad ones are trying to bring you with them so like when she's like painting this whole image of of the underworld and like supernatural stuff and just how paranormal things are interacting i i think there's going to be some element of that and there already has been with him looking possessed in those videos already. I think that's like, I hope that's as far as they go. I hope it's more of like a witchcraft thing because yeah. it's still grounded. There's just no like, got like ghouls. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no, so you know, I, if I see a ghoul in, in Matthew McConaughey's show, I'll be a little pressed, but <laughs> no, I agree. I totally agree. Um, I did like this scene uh, as well. When we get, when we get the, um, the chief is like, if you're going to take on, take this on, like the whole way this whole scene was worked where he goes, if you're going to keep these bodies, where are you going to put them? Mm. And then we get like a hard transition to little St. Nick by the beach boys. And they just show up at the ice rink and she has to talk to the woman who she slept with her ex-husband. Mm. And I just, I, I like the elements of us getting a little bit more of the environment of who these people are, even the mm. bar fight and that relationship, like kind of establishing the world. I feel like this season is doing a much better job of establishing that than the previous two seasons. Because mm. I felt like season yeah. one, like even the setting was such a character, like the yeah. bayou and, and what that represented. And and like, yeah, the, like and I do feel that uh, this Alaskan landscape plays well to what they're doing. But we talked about that last week as well. I don't know how much more we can really speculate. Was there anything else that stood out to you in terms of this episode? <clears throat> there was one more callback, which I actually read in an article okay. uh, to season one. And Pete said uh, when he was looking into who funded the lab, 
he found that it was the Tuttle Corporation. And I remember that name like being significant. And then I, after I read the article, they said that that was the higher on the food chain um, key leaders that were funding the uh, abusive cult in season one. Wow. Okay. So um, they're, when they're saying that they funded this lab too, like it's becoming like a web of bad things yeah, now. Of so, bad people. Yeah. Yeah, and if they have power and influence like that, and it's in now two states, like your mind wanders to what might come. Well, yeah, what went, yeah. and, and it it could be interesting. Like it is we. It I don't know. I feel weird about, and this is someone <laughs> who like was a fan and is a fan of Marvel, but it's like everything is so connected now, and it's it's weird that we're in that that mm. sort of state. I do like that they're doing it for this season. I I hope that in future seasons of true detective not everything becomes 100 connected that way because it's like it's it's anthology like like i'm a fan of american crime story and i like that they're so distinctively different right mm. like season one is about the oj trial and season two is about the assassination of versace it's not like it's not like we have easter eggs it's like oj simpson shows up in season two and is like <laughs> what's up versace like I, yeah yeah like, he's like, I, I can tell you how to get out of murder yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so crazy but no i i uh, this episode it, it it added more breadcrumbs. Um, we can do. I, I want to do scores. If you're ready for scores, mm. um, I didn't like this episode as much as the premiere. Um, and I have to go a little bit. I mean, it's not low, but I have to go lower because I gave the premiere an eight. So I'm yeah. gonna give episode two a seven out of ten. That's where I'm at. I don't know. You might mm. be a little higher than me. I think you yeah. gave the premiere a nine. Yeah, I think you did. I just yeah. really like the tone that they started with the premiere. I, I really uh, this this episode was probably probably like a seven range or seven and a half for me. I was definitely engaged still. But then there was the points where I'm like, oh, no, let's not spend time on this. Like the one scene that I was frustrated with was like, why are they sitting in the ice rink looking at a TikTok video? And they're like, <laughs> that's funny. He's like, yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> it's this so awkward, stupid. like bonding, like and I get that, like they're very fractured individuals and they're trying to bond. But I was like, dude, this show is not for TikTok. Like, yeah, that's I, like, no, don't throw that agree. in there, man. Yeah. And I, so. I think that the thing is that the um, the opening five minutes of this where they're looking at the I'm going to call it the corpsicle for the remainder of the season now, because that's what <laughs> Jodie Foster calls it. Um them look like that whole element of it and just the grotesque look of what that build was was so intriguing and so engaging yeah and then they take you off on these side things where you're like i just don't give a shit right now like i don't yeah. i'm not here for that like i don't yeah i understand you're trying to establish establish certain things but i just don't really care right now right and so. that, that to me too like the fact that they were almost unbothered and then they were like letting people in the ice rink yes and I know that's probably part of the narrative they're trying to set up of like how how did her daughter just fucking get in? And then she's also just like, oh, wow, what's that? And I'm like, there are a pile of like seven bodies there. And she like is definitely like a little shocked. But I'm like, if I saw eight bodies that look like they're mortified and they're all naked, yes. and like like disfigured. I'm curious what else she's seen. <laughs> Yeah, well, she's passing around some crap online. Apparently, in the first episode, Uh, so uh, she's on a not. uh, She's Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and the relationship with her and Jodie Foster. Yeah, you might as well see a dead body and a corpse. Oh my god, crazy. Well, I think that's gonna do it. Not a bad episode, though. Not a bad episode. No, not a bad episode. Uh, There were things to like, but not as strong as the Mm -hmm. premiere. Uh, We got four episodes left. We'll keep theorizing for you guys. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, last thing before we give out our socials and stuff as of today, I think this is gonna be a fun experiment. We're gonna do this every episode. 
at the end of every episode, who do you think is the killer? Who's your pick right now? Oh, this will be cool. Uh, I like I like well Clark for now. Okay. Yeah, because it just doesn't seem like there's anything crazy. I what? Hank. I was I, I would say that yeah. it points toward Clark. So <clears throat> I understand that reasoning. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's Hank for the mm. sake that John Hawks is playing the character, and I'm like like he's such a sinister dude and he plays such yeah. a shithead in so many things and there's a lot of mystery surrounding him. Um, so he's my pick for now, but mm. that might change after next week's yeah. episode. He's up in the air. Like once I get one concrete thing, I'm like, no, nah, no, we're jumping Hank. on board with Hank. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, guys, that was our conversation for the second episode of True Detective season four, subtitled North Country. Um, let us know in the comments uh, what you guys thought of this episode. Did you like it more than the premiere? Are you excited with the things they're starting to explore within this season? Uh, be sure to give this video a like. And um, if you guys can subscribe to us, we have the Culture Wave Media Network. You guys can hit that bell for alerts every time we post new videos. We got content coming for you guys pretty much every day. You guys can follow us at Cinema Wave Media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Threads. We're also at underscore Culture Wave Media and at Jersey's Finest Pod on Instagram as well. Jersey's Finest is our other podcast where we highlight artists in the tri-state area. Just signing off, I am Darian Scalamoni. I'm Zach Miller. And we'll see you guys next time.